Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Golden Ratio Podcast. I am Jen, JR Mom, joined as always by JR Dad. Hi. How's it going, JR Dad? Pretty good. Excellent. Excellent. Good yeah. to be back with you. Yeah, it's been forever. You were gone for weeks and weeks. It was four nights, which is quite a long time for us. It seemed like forever. I aged three days in two days. <laughs> it was five days. So if you aged three days, <laughs> you actually came out ahead. You, nah, you got younger while I was gone. I aged decades. Huh. Uh, anyway. I miss you so much. <laughs> the cocktail of the week this week is the Boston cocktail. That's what it's called. The Boston cocktail. <laughs> Vink disapproves, apparently. It has gin, apricot brandy, lemon juice, and grenadine. Nice. Yeah. All right. We just tended to Vink. She just wanted to change positions. <laughs> she tricked me. She sometimes announces that she's going to change positions pretty much. Yeah. She makes a bunch of noise to wake us up. And then she's like, I just want to go lay over there. This happens in the middle of the night. She comes up, she butts my arm with her wet little cold nose. And then she, then I pet her. And then she goes, lies and stands somewhere yeah. else. She yeah. moves position. Yeah. Anyway, that's her cocktail. I think it's interesting, Jen. Good. Great. <laughs> anyway, the cocktail is the Boston. The Boston. The Boston cocktail. It's called the Boston cocktail. That's what it's called. In honor of. I was going to say, why would we be talking about Boston? Because I ran the Boston Marathon on one day. That is so awesome. It was so awesome. That's it. Uh, an elite club within the elite club of marathon runners. It really is. I mean, I did not get there by being elite, though most people do. Usually you have to qualify for the Boston Marathon, and I am not fast enough to do that. So I just mean in the sense of a very small proportion of the world population can say that they've run the Boston Marathon if for any reason under any circumstances. Yeah, I've been talking to a bunch of people about it, um, absolutely being that stereotype of like, how do you know if someone won a marathon? Don't worry, they'll tell you. <laughs> that 100% has been me. You were excited about so it. So excited. Uh, but I've been talking to a lot of people about it and have many thoughts. But one of them, just kind of to this point, is that the Boston Marathon is is at least like half pilgrimage as much as race. Like I've run a ton of marathons, right? This is, I think, like my 43rd marathon or thing longer than a marathon. So it's not that big a deal i mean i go run that far just on a whim on a week it could be a thursday and you'd be like you, you want to go to. run 26.2 miles and i'd be like sounds like a great plan let's go do it that's bizarre uh yeah but i mean it's just like i've gotten to a point in my training where like the distance is not a huge thing for me anymore i absolutely will run that once or twice a month yeah on the weekend that's right um but the boston marathon it's a point-to-point -point marathon so it finishes in boston and you get on a bus in at Boston Common in downtown Boston, and then you go 26.2 miles out to Hopkinton, Massachusetts, and then you run a, basically a straight line into Boston. So it's, you know, it's not like other big city marathons where you're kind of running, oh, you run up into this neighborhood and over into this neighborhood. You're running a straight line through all of these towns. Um, the towns deeply embrace their role. So Hopkinton, where it starts, like, their thing is that they're the start line of the Boston Marathon. That's the only thing I know about Hopkinton. That's the yeah, only time it's, I've ever heard it. It's a tiny it. little town. Yeah. Tiny little town. There is one guy. So you start, there's 26.2 miles. That's how long the race is. You start, there's 26.2 miles to go. And we will go past one guy's house. And on his mailbox, he has a permanent thing with a sign at the top that says 25.6 and an arrow. <laughs> to the finish. 25.6 oh, miles to the finish. Like how so cool is that? I mean, it's just... I mean, it was the 125th running? Yeah. Is it? I mean, it's, un, it's been around for such a long time, unchanged. Yeah, that's right? right. That course has not changed. And I think last year was the only year that it didn't happen. Maybe, yeah, that's um, right. Because of COVID. So, so, yeah, I mean, it's definitely, you know, if, you, if marathons are a religious thing for you, it is definitely the pilgrimage. It's going to, to and here we go again with Boston, damn it. If, like going to Fenway to watch a baseball game. You'll be there watching baseball. But you're always feeling like yeah. it's special because of the place and the, the history and the it hasn't changed. It's not a new stadium. I mean, it's That's right. I think Fenway and Wrigley Field are like, if you're a baseball person, it doesn't matter if you're a Cubs fan or a Sox fan. Like you. Yeah, exactly. Like no, those are right. the two super old classic ballparks and they don't have any of the stuff that like a new modern convenient ballpark has, but they're like amazing. That's why. Yeah. Places. Yeah. That's why they're good. Anyway. Um, but also... Uh, if you will allow my digression, you can skip ahead like two minutes if you don't care about me talking about running. 
is that like big city marathons are, if you run them, you know, it's tens of thousands of people. I think there were 20,000 people in Boston, you know, Chicago's closer to 40, you know, all these big city marathons, there's tens of thousands of people and you're going out like doing this kind of epic hard thing that pushes your body beyond the limits. And it's this like great celebration of just like being alive and the amazing stuff that you can like make our very fragile bodies do. And, and a, it's a celebration of what has been months of training. Yeah. And then hundreds of thousands of people come out and they do all of the best things that humanity does. Like they play music and they dance around and they have parties and like kids are out there and people are out there and they're like cooking food and they're cheering for complete strangers. Some of them like set up little aid stations. So like 20,000 people are going to run past your house and you buy Halloween candy <laughs> and give it to them. Yeah, that's right. And people give out Skittles or whatever candy might be good. Yeah. Yeah. Not I Skittles. Mean, anything yeah. works. Yeah. And, you know, like one of the places you go past a lot of colleges in the Boston Marathon and one of them's Wellesley. You can hear those girls screaming, right? They cancel classes for the day. And, you know, I think they probably have a lot to drink in the morning. And then they come out and they just yell for three hours while everybody runs past. So good. And, you know, someone not at Wellesley, but someone on the course was out there with a megaphone. They're just talking at the runners and they're like, they look at me and they're like, you red looks great on you also i like your skirt like keep going right like it's just being like kind and supportive and enthusiastic about total strangers like you are celebrating them doing this epic thing and how much it is like a celebration of life so like big marathons like that are always like a great thing for that and then this you know the boston marathon for all of these you know little towns along the course like it's the big thing, right? Everybody comes out. It's a big party. Everything shuts down. Um, and there was one guy out there in his, you know, like in his little travel chair, you know, pop out, sit on the side <laughs> sure. of the road, with the, also with a megaphone. And he's like, we've been waiting two years for you to come back. Oh. Right. Cause they ran it in 2019. I was supposed to run it in 2020 and it was canceled in March or April of 2020. And they rescheduled it for September. And then that obviously got canceled as well. Normally it's in the spring and then this year they didn't even bother scheduling it for April. They, they ran it in October this week. And so it's like all these towns have been waiting since March of 2019 for the runners to come back. Cause it's like the big day. And, and so like this, you know, your dad had signed up for the Marine Corps marathon, um, which was scheduled for the end of October, you know, in a couple of weeks and it's gone virtual. Like it's been canceled for COVID. So the fact that like we got to run this, it's, it's like the marathon is just the opposite of COVID because <laughs> it's about like being healthy and the amazing things that your body can do. And it's, you know, unity sharing. And it's like also the opposite of like the death cult pro COVID assholes that have like really ruined a lot of my optimism and faith in humanity in the last year and a half, because it's the opposite of that kind of like, so I'm selfish. Like I can do whatever I want. Like, I don't care about you. Like if my grandma has to die, like it's worth it for me to be able to go out to a restaurant. Like that's not the attitude of the people who are like out there celebrating you doing this thing that like they can't leave their driveways, right? Like it's incredibly inconveniencing for people. And they're like, <laughs> we can't leave party. Yeah. Everybody come I, over and we'll get a keg and it's a well drink. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so but they was, don't have to, right? They're not, they're not volunteers. They're not, it's not organized. People they're at their they're house. not conscripted into aid stations. No. They're just hanging out and being joyful. Like everybody come over and we'll put it. the lawn chairs and blankets out and watch the people run past and, yeah. and it's have amazing. a good time. It's kind of like what you did with this, you know, this account, but, but I'm, you know, I digress probably, you know, just sharing joy and, and it's being a, affirming. It's an amazing thing. And, and after like, I mean, for me, like I run way farther than that, but having those big city marathons go away has been a big hole in my life, which is not the biggest hole that anybody has experienced in COVID, but it is a thing that, that I have really felt the absence of and, and then to be able to do it and do this like super iconic one uh with all these people who also i mean the boston marathon bombing which was i think 2013 um like that's still very much on the mind like there were snipers 
and scopes on top of every other house in Hopkinton. Yeah. Right. I mean, the military was everywhere over this course. So the bombing is still very much at the forefront of the minds of everybody there too, to, you know, have this day of great celebration disrupted in other ways. So it was a, I don't usually like cry during marathons. I'm like, great. Like, let's go do this thing. Like, it's great. I was like crying the whole time. And, oh my God, the people who showed up. So, you know, I talked about this last time, I think, right? Like, um, I had, I was fundraising for a charity. And so I, I asked for donations over on my running account, but like everybody who follows me on my running account follows the dog account too. It's just a subset of dog people. It's quite a Venn diagram. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So the most people who have ever cheered for me in a race were here. They, you guys made posters for me, like <laughs> my favorite poster. I, I, cause I, I wasn't taking a lot of pictures when I'd run. So I'd like go up, I would like hug people. I'd be like, send me a picture of your poster. Somebody made one and it had a picture of hops and a picture of a blow high and a picture of a leg. And it said, do it for the leg. (laughs) 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 But people had like printouts. Someone had a flat Vink that I had sent them, a three-foot life-size cardboard cutout of Vinkman. So I'm like running down the course and like, there's Vink. I was like, oh my God, it's Vink. (laughs) Uh, Someone had a Golden Ratio University shirt on. They printed out uh, tweets. You know, I had written like supportive tweets and they printed around. They're like, here, I thought you might need this today. So perfect. Hugged people. There is some, some woman... I'm sorry I didn't get your name. I was at like an earlyish aid station where they're they're giving you Gatorade and I was drinking my Gatorade at maybe like mile eight and I hear one of the volunteers who's like handing out the Gatorade screaming. I I mean people scream all the time, cheer for people, and I you know, I just kinda look over and she's looking at me. I could not understand a single word she was saying. She was so excited. And then I heard golden retrievers. I was like, she's cheering for me. (laughs) (laughs) So I ran over, I gave her a hug, uh, which is still like, I don't know. Am I supposed to hug people now? I don't know. I'm super vaccinated. It's fine. Um, Yeah. And so I'm sorry I didn't get your name. Whoever this was, I think had tweeted at me ahead of time. Like I'll be working one of the aid stations, but I just didn't put it together. I was like, who is that very enthusiastic person? Oh, they're cheering for me. Can't mean me. It was a good day to forget your headphones. Yeah, a lot of times, I I mean, when I run training, I always wear headphones, and I was going to bring some to the race, but I didn't. It's good that I didn't. Sounds like you had a lot of good distractions. It was was just amazing, like, how many people were out there, like, specifically for me and cheering for me. Um, I mean, I've never had that in a race before. You deserve it. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, my mom, she came to my first marathon, and has come to one of my other races and you know i think if she could have she would have come to this one but like if a person comes for you you maybe get to see them twice if yeah, you're lucky when you're running it's hard work being a spectator i mean i've avoided it by running with you it's not really run, hard not running with you running with you <laughs> <laughs> and for this race especially it would be hard because oh, it, yeah. like in chicago you can like take the l five stops and be like eight miles ahead of the runners because oh of the God. course. It's so stressful though because you always think you've missed your runner like i have passed, definitely missed people before they've passed you're where you yeah, are you get there and, and they're and gone just, already but usually they haven't because of the way the start works and that there's always a delay and but you're just like there for half an hour and you're just like oh are they coming they uh-huh. should have been here 10 minutes ago yeah. where are they did i miss them i mean it was four thousand people have passed by now did i miss them and then if you wait too long then you might not be able yeah. to make it to the next place it's that you're going to meet it's them it's very stressful yeah, like, logistically it, it yeah um so yeah so even like if people come out i get to see them once but here there were so many people out there cheering for me um it was really amazing so i was kind of weepy the whole time and then certainly when i like turned onto boylston street in boston and like you see this you know the finish line of the boston marathon which like you all know from watching footage of the boston marathon bombings but also i mean just like this iconic finish line i I was very weepy the whole day it's great it was awesome it's it's been it's great that that is back and hopefully other marathons will come back too because it's uh it is really a good thing for the whole for everything experience everything is so positive and so affirming and so encouraging yeah it's great so i mean they're coming chicago was on sunday boston was on monday chicago went they, they chicago ran. went yeah but yeah. marine corps is not going yep. in dc yeah yep. so anyway thank you again for everybody who supported me and supported the charity but also just you showed up and cheered for me it, it was oh my god and then so they had a thing where like if 
for a runner, you can submit like through the app, you could submit a cheer. So you could like pick a picture or just right. like type some text. And then when I'm walking through the finish line area, I step over a little timing strip. So it knows like, oh, Jen is there. And then on the like Jumbotron, they put up a message for you. So they showed one for me, which is super cool. And then they're like, uh, we'll email you all of the cheers that people have sent you after the race because they can only put one up. And and people were like, oh, we've sent you some. So there's going to be more. And I was like, great. So I got the link and I click on it and just like the page is blank. But I knew there was at least one because they showed it on the Jumbotron. Right. And I was like, well, you know, it's like, every, you know, 20,000 people just finished. They're probably all loading it at the same time. I kept trying to load. I was trying different browsers, just like blank. And I was like, all right. And then I was coming home. Like I went from Boston to DC and then DC to Miami. So I'm in Miami at the airport waiting. And then all of a sudden I see like a bunch of stuff on the page and then it like auto reloaded and I was like, oh crap. And then I see like the little scroll thing on the side, like moving. And the reason that it didn't load is because there were like 600 <laughs> messages with pictures that people sent. I just wasn't waiting long enough for them all to load up because it loads them all before it shows them. Uh, so it was amazing like the pictures that people dug out and like all of the messages that they sent so i've i've got this pdf the 70 page pdf saved on my computer did you get the, weepy again oh i 100 percent was weepy 100 percent was weepy in the airport looking it's at my so computer nice. it was so nice so nice thanks everybody um enough about me well you did have to run it so good job thank you good I, job i did you're it. not you're not going to say this but i'm going to say it good job and thanks for letting everyone support you because it's fun to support you. Thank you. Uh, yeah, someday my butt won't hurt, but today is still not that day. Unbelievable. Uh, You're, it can hurt I, in a race, but... I swear I would donate my butt to you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. It's getting it's getting slowly better. And I got another shot to help it get better. When I st- stopped through DC, I got shots. I got poked all over the place. Hopefully I'll feel better soon. No, it's too bad it's not a match medically, or and it would be a step down for you butt-wise. Your so, butt? You know, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> I would still donate it. I mean, you need one. It's It works, though. I mean, you yeah. know, it doesn't look good, but it works. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's great. Oh, thanks. Okay, uh, let's, let's do dog updates. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, let's start with Hops. Um, Hopper got her stitches out. Yeah. Got her bandage off first, and then yeah. her, and then her stitches out. Yep, and it all went. She's doing great. Yeah, it she's, looks good. She's, she's healing as hard as anyone can. Yep. Yeah, she sleeps a lot, which I think is just her recovering. But she seems happy. Oh seems comfortable. Yeah, she, she when she lies down, she's pain free, right? She, totally. She's not. I mean, it, it it does show the contrast before when she had her leg. She would lie down and just pant and be uncomfortable, and it was. It was clearly not nice, not good. Now she lies yeah. down and she's like, this is nice. This is fine. She just sleeps, like yeah. comfortably, quietly sleeps. And she still, when she walks around, she still pants a lot because I think it's hard. It's like being on I crutches. I think it's a lot of effort Being for on her, crutches yeah. is like super hard. It's a very hard mm-hmm. workout. I hate, you know, everyone hates being on crutches because yeah. it is so much work. And it's for her, it's a lot of work. But today she was roaming around. She eats grass. You know, if she gets tired, she lies down outside in the sun. She's... Yep. You know, can't swim yet. Yeah, I mean, we got to wait until it's like, you know, there's still some scabs and stuff over the incisions. So once those are gone and it's really just like fully healed, hopefully a week or so, then she can swim. Uh, But we did talk to the surgeon this week. So he's like, you know, the first biopsy just said it was a sarcoma. Now, this is the biopsy he did on the leg after they amputated, or the lab did on the leg. So the first guy did a biopsy that said specifically it was synovial sarcoma. This biopsy just said sarcoma, and he's like, so it could be synovial sarcoma. It could be something else. I don't remember the Histor- name of. Hi- yeah, histo... Something. Something. Uh, that one's that we don't remember the name of is bad. That's why we're not remembering it. Um, he's like, the life expectancy is, frankly, days, if that's what it is. Like, it's just, you can't do anything about it. Um, but if it's synovial sarcoma the life expectancy is 18 months to three years. And he's like, you know, we'll send it out and get it tested. Um, Would you guys consider doing chemo? And I'm like, probably not. I said, I'm like, look, she's eight. If the life expectancy is 18 months to three years, I mean, one, she has arthritis. And so the likelihood that now she has arthritis in her elbows or her now her one elbow, right? So that she already was uncomfortable 
the likelihood that she's going to go more than two years without having her quality of life really reduced because that arthritis gets worse, like, that's low. And I, I told him, I'm like, look, like, if she were to make it three years, like, 11 is the expiration date for a golden. He's like, 11 is the expiration date for a golden with you guys. It's like nine for other people. And I'm like, I just big dogs. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just, that's how long they live, right? Like 10 ish. So, you know, she were three, I'd be like, yeah, like let's do everything. But at eight, there's so many other things that can go wrong. Like we know she has the arthritis. She could get another kind of cancer. She could get any of the other things that kill dogs. Why would we put her and us through like back and forth up and back to Miami or leaving her up there and you know, whatever devastation of chemo. Yeah. Like put her through that to what be like, okay, well say then her life expectancy is five years, but that would be 13. Like there's no way she's going to be comfortable at 13 with her arthritis and not get anything else. Like whatever else happens. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So he said, you know, his outlook for her is six to 18 months is probably his guess for her life expectancy because there's a 50% chance that this cancer comes back in another joint. Um, so running out of joints. Well, yeah, you can't amputate anything else. (laughs) So, uh, tail, maybe, maybe tail. I'm, I'm, I'm banking on tail you know, in 70 I, months. <laughs> 70 months. No one has given us 70 months, I got to say. I, I think it was implied. <laughs> I don't know if she got it in her tail if I'd be like, let's amputate the tail and keep trying. Yeah, she could have a little nubbin. It, it's not a matter of the nubbin. It's like if it's if it has come back a second time, are we going to put her through another surgery? And <laughs> he goes nodding, yes. Uh, tail, you do wouldn't. yourself. You'd, you'd be like, okay, bring on the hydrogen peroxide. Dear Lord. <laughs> Here, drink this bourbon. <laughs> Bite on this stick, hops. N- none of this would happen. Civil war. So we'll see. I, you know, I think if we kind of put our minds in the six to 18 month category and then be surprised... But I, I I think 18 months, given the arthritis and everything, is kind of reasonable. And we'll I, see what happens with the cancer. I'm still rejecting reality. That's fine. So she's you still, go with 70 she's months. She's still my girl. She's still three years old in my mind. She I don't re- accept her at, at, as eight years old at all. I know. She's she's a little puppy, partly. She was the puppy yeah. for so no. long. I think puppy she was hops. a puppy for three years. Puppy <laughs> hops. So anyway, we're, we are sending it out. We're getting like the extended biopsy. I think it will come up as the synovial sarcoma because that's what it came up with on the first one. Um, so it'd be, you know, I, but we didn't ask enough questions to know like if they just did a, a like lighter weight biopsy to get a general cancer here or if it was inconclusive and like looks like probably synovial sarcoma, but they want to do more tests. In any case, we're going to get it sent out, but it probably is not going to impact what we do with her which is we hope that she's happy with what we've done and this leg is getting a lot of attention somewhere it's like some kind of medical examiner's <laughs> office where it's like it's on this big silver slab and <laughs> there's like six doctors around there like rubbing their beards going hmm looks like natural causes no no we'd have to do a tox screen it looks oh there's some defensive wounds you've been watching too much ncis yes i have yes yes i have (laughs) absolutely so anyway that's the hopper update so she's doing good you know frankly i'm gonna be happy when she's healed up i've bought her a little life jacket and that we can take her in the water and let her swim around and watch her fish and she'll stand there and the weight will be off her joints life jacket's a good idea because i was wondering if she's gonna like swim a little crooked right if she's just pushing with one leg Mm -hmm. It'd be hard, but she only walks with one leg. She just puts it in the middle, so she could probably compensate. We'll see. I mean, I think having the, like, because they kind of use the front legs to keep their heads up when they're swimming. No. So having the life jacket, I think, will help with that. And if she doesn't need it, whatever, we'll just have a life jacket. But I think as a starting place, as she adapts to it, it's good to have her in it. And if she wants to spend all day for the rest of her days standing out there with the fish, like, that's fine. Yeah, no, that's great. And if we can put... You know, if she likes it, we'll put a shark fin on it or, you know, some kind of alien thing or a palm tree yeah. or something. I mean, we could put her in the shark fin life jacket, too. Yeah, but is it floaty enough, right? Yeah. That, that's the next step. That's next step. That's right. Anyway, the, the doctor and her, the tech seemed quite pleased slash impressed with how yeah. quickly she's, prog- how well she's progressing and and how well she's adapted. Right. Yep. They, 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 I mean, the surgeon sort of said the things I, were wor- I was wor- most worried about haven't happened. Yep. 
which was not healing and not getting up after surgery, not using the other leg. So she's a trooper. She's doing great. Yep, she's doing great. So that's hops. Um, I I always take notes, so I remember all the stuff to yeah. talk about. I have puking guac escape. Oh, geez. This oh, happened geez. while I was gone. It's not in that order, <laughs> but it is in that order of priority, not chronologically, yes. Guac drinks seawater when he swims aggressively, and when you drink too much seawater, there's much puking to happen. Guac did the thing again where he was standing out in the water. I turn around to, like, you know, deal with another dog or carry hops up the stairs or whatever, you know, with this dog popcorn, and I turn back around and Guac is gone. And Mm -hmm. I go, "Uh uh-oh. So I look in the bushes. I walk once around the house. I start calling, and no. He's swimming back. From the two neighbors down. Cat food house. Cat food. Fishing There's nobody house. there right now, but... There is now. I don't think there was at the time. Oh, yeah, Weirdly. But I think he just got bored and started swimming away. Yep. Jerk. So he's now in double secret probation. He's not allowed to be outside without a human Oh, and then he puked all over the place the for a day and a half. Yeah, because he drank... When he swims real hard, he just swallows a lot of seawater. Hey, it wasn't seawater that he was throwing up. That was the problem. Well, it, it <laughs> makes every, it brings everything with. If it were just seawater, I would have been a lot less upset about it. But yeah. it was much more. Yeah. yeah. Stomach. Um, but yeah, so now Guac is not allowed outside unless one of us is there actively watching him. No back turning. Yep. Just, just Guac alone. Basically, so he's had much less water time, much less. Yep, but too bad. He's going to be a jerk. Then that's what happened. Too bad. And then I have not Vood's Vood's corner. What did Vood eat this week (sighs) that he shouldn't eat? Oh my god! Two towels. Yeah, dish towel kind of sized towels. Yeah, not not bath towels, I think. But those were discovered when I picked up poop. Dish towels. It was. It's shocking that he has not needed foreign object surgery. This is because, so the, I think we've said this before, the phenobarbital has a side effect of pica, which is eating stuff that's not food. And one of the big reasons that, the, like, when we first got him, the vet wanted to reduce his phenobarbital is because he was eating all of the stuff that he shouldn't. We had to be so vigilant. Like and, your bed. Like sleep. my sweatshirt arm. Yeah. Just chewed that off and ate it. Yeah. Um, she's like, eventually he's going to have to get foreign object surgery if he keeps doing this. And so, you know, we got him back. He was on 100 milligrams a day for a long time. And that way cut back on it did i mean he would did. eat not foods foods all the time but he was not like aggressively looking for stuff to pull down and so now you know after the whole seizure thing we have increased it so now he's on 150 milligrams a day instead of 100 and we can tell a big difference like he's not as stable on his feet but also he he really is just like anything that's not food he's going for he's sticking his head in cabinets and pulling stuff off tables he um Sort of independent, though, I think. He was eating those um, palm tree Palm berries, fruits, yeah. Palm berries from the... <laughs> he had like is, 50, you said. Oh, my God. They're like the size terrible. of... He puked, too. I mean, it was pukerama yeah. while you weren't there. Like an unshelled almond? Persimmon. My, Persimmon, my, sure. They're orange and squishy. Like a big grape. Yeah. Like yeah. a big, you know, often reddish grape. Like but a little bigger than that, maybe. Yeah. Uh, weirdly sort of fibery. Yeah. And he initially, I knew he'd eaten them because he threw them up. He threw up about 20 of them. Um, And then he threw up another few. And this isn't our tree, right? We don't even have a tree like that. Neighbor's tree dropping them in the yard. Hanging over our yard. Um, And he goes in between the the Rika palms and the the fence where you can't really see what he's doing. He just goes, he's all of a sudden disappeared. Yeah, he's he's in the jungle there. Yep. So it was a it was a terrible experience all around. Probably not for him, but for me it was terrible. <laughs> we always have to look like which of these are potentially toxic and so after you know dear dad's like he ate all of these things like and now I think I've picked them all up but I finally looked it up when I got home and they're not toxic but it says it can cause stomach upset and we're like yep check. Does it make him make <laughs> weird noises cuz that check. Yeah. Um he ate the so Nathan the company Nathan who makes my hydration packs. Yes. They sent me, uh, so the Boston Marathon was like, you can't have hydration packs, which is kind of normal, but they're like, you can't even have a vest with a lot of pockets, which I got to say, there were a number of people walking to the start line who had vests on without the hydration packs. So I could have done it, but you don't want to plan on that and then not have a backup plan. Right. 
So anyway, so I was like, well, I've got to now find a thing to carry my stuff. I mean, I brought my phone, but even if I didn't, like you have to have like your gel packs and I didn't have enough, like extra, you know, I had some biofreeze packs and yeah. some lubrication and stuff. There's just stuff to carry with you. I'm like, I got to get a waste pack or something. And, you know, it's like four days before I'm leaving. And the people at Nathan were like, uh, well, we'd be happy to send you something. And I was like, yes, I love be you guys happy so to much. use it. Yeah. So they sent me this waste pack and it had a, it has a spot for a bottle in the back, like a soft flask bottle. So it squishes down flat. Uh, but if you fill it up, you can put a liter of water in there, I think. And so I had taken that out because you, I don't run with water bottles. Uh, and Vood's got that, I guess, while I was gone too. He ate the top yeah. off. He also went to the bed and ate the corner off the sheet. <laughs> I forgot like the top sheet is hanging down a little bit in the <laughs> foot end of the bed. And he just, I, I mean, this was like, I caught him, right? I was doing Otherwise he laundry, would have eaten the entire And I heard sheet. like this weird chewing sound and otherwise silence. And that's always a red flag. Oh, yeah. Like it's a little too quiet. <laughs> and so I ran over there and he's like chomping on the, the edge of the sheet. Bit a big hole in it. Didn't eat much of it, but he was working on it. Jerk. That's a big sheet if he wants to. It's a king pull size down. sheet. If he wants he to can't fit that all in him. It's a, yeah, it is a king size. It's the biggest one there is. Yeah. Uh, so so he's, yeah, he's a, he's a goofball. The neurologist called, was that today or yesterday? Yeah. Yes. Uh, today, earlier today, I think. Haven't had a lot of sleep this week, so it's all kind of running together. Yeah. So the neurologist called, the, our neurologist, Southeast veterinary uh no referral no this southeast is, this is VCM. Neuro VCM. veterinary neurology seven oh southeast veterinary neurology in miami just freaking amazing these people are i mean they're the ones where like if he's like you know they're open oh, yeah. a certain amount of time but they're like we're 24 hours if you have a problem call literally anytime in the middle of the night and they'll put a doctor on the phone and if he's having seizures if he's having a neurological immunity uh emergency just give them 10 minutes and then they'll be there and then they have an emergency room and they'll staff it for you for your one dog yeah right they'll come in and do it. i mean and set it up for you to to be received and then take care yeah. of him that's great it's amazing and uh and now they call like every two weeks and they're like how's voodoo doing like just, i mean has he had any seizures no he's an he's kind of an idiot guys yeah. <laughs> and uh so she called this week i'm like he ate two dish towels and she's like oh no she's like they, he could you have to, I'm like, I know. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, this is because like the last time I talked, I'm like, he's on too much phenobarbital. Yeah. And then I'm like, this is because of all the phenobarbital. And I mean, we have a plan, right? She's like, after he's been two months without a seizure, you know, then we'll start doing adjustments a little at a time. But uh, she was quite alarmed. Well, it's just, at what it was a eating. real change because we'd been used to, if it didn't really look like an attractive snack or food, we could it could be in his reach. Yeah. Right. And now it's shifted to, no, his standards have changed completely. Mm -hmm. He really is actively looking for anything to yeah. pull off. Yeah. So anyway, that's Boots. Um, CB, so your dad's like, is CB going to get the trophy again this week for lowest maintenance dog? And I'm going with no. Yeah. Um, he's been, I mean, he's a high maintenance dog. He's still really annoying. Like he very much is needy. He's yeah. needy. He's got yes. a lot of anxiety and he wants it dealt with. But he doesn't, like, if you pet him, it doesn't help. Like, there's nothing that actually helps the anxiety. No. He just stares and looks at you. He he will accept food, but that's probably why he was 130 pounds when he came into rescue. He just looks and he's like, just give me food, just give me food. Yeah. Uh, that's the only thing. And then as soon as he's done eating the food, he's ready for more. But you can't pet him. He won't get up on the couch. Like, like whatever you do, it doesn't help. Nothing helps. Uh, so he's he's been especially high maintenance so even though he's not problematic like everybody else i mean look foot you know parenthesis that we probably don't have to say we still love all these dogs they're just goofballs and knuckleheads problematic problematic but you know we still love them and they're we still pet the, the life out of them we we are probably annoyingly affectionate to them sometimes remy doesn't think so remy thinks he needs more yeah affection. remy's got a deficit yeah so speaking of remy <laughs> All right, so he'd been getting eight units of insulin twice a day. We took him in for a glucose curve. His glucose was in like the two upper 200s. It it's supposed to be around 100. Upper 200s, that's too high for him to get the surgery. I mean, that's too high period. 
his glucose in his urine, which means his blood sugar is too high. His fructosamine, which is like a two-week average measure, too high, shows that his glucose is uncontrolled. He had a UTI, which you get when you have glucose in your urine because it breeds bacteria. All Everything, his blood sugar is too high. He needed more insulin. So... Like we'd been trying, we had had him on seven and then we put him on eight and it's still really high. And so we're like, let's put him on, you know, talking with the vet, obviously let's put him on 10. Like if it's this high at eight, he needs a lot more control. So we put him on 10 about a week ago. Like when I left for Boston, you took it, it was like 235, right? Yeah. Just took it one time. Yeah. And I had to, it takes like a week for the insulin to really start taking effect. So last night I took it before dinner and it was like 36 this is bad like it gets below 80 it's not good it gets below like 50 or 60 and you're in like could go into a coma or die zone yeah. it's 36 so i'm like oh that's not good like so you know gave him dinner let's do a glucose curve tomorrow so we this morning we checked it and it was like 100 like 106 right before breakfast which is a good number but usually it's high before breakfast because they, he gets the insulin with the meals so he's been 12 now 14 hours without insulin so it should be higher. The insulin brings the blood sugar down. So it should be kind of high before he eats because then he will eat, but he also gets the insulin and it's 100. So we give it to him and then an hour later we check it and it's like 50 <laughs> and then it's like 40. So it's going down even though he's eaten. So like we gave, I made him bread with like skippy peanut butter and honey on it. He liked it. it I mean, it was tasty. It had a lot of sugar in there and that kind of got it back up over a couple hours to like 86 which is like the low end of normal and then it starts dropping again and it got down to like 60 and i had to give him more foods we talked to the vet so we he didn't get any insulin after dinner today to kind of let his sugars come back up and then we're going to try him on nine because we were at eight and it was too high now 10 is too low hopefully nine will be right if not we're going to try eight and a half <laughs> but we had remember a while back we had him on 15 or 16 he's on 16 that's twice a day that's when he crashed but, but no no that w it was still too high on the 16 a day until he started on the thyroid med oh, medicine right 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 and then it really and then the 16 was way too high because the thyroid medicine adjusted the stuff um so that's then we cut it back to like the lowest possible dose and that was too low and the eight was too low because the blood sugar was too high. The 10 was way too high. So we're at least finding our way to the range. What did, what did the vet say? Maybe eight and a half could be she the She said, well, spot. we'll try. And if it doesn't work, well, if nine doesn't work, we'll try eight and a half. Yeah, we're getting, we're getting <laughs> close, maybe. We're getting close. But we There's really not many options left. back and forth. I mean, we're it's like picking eight and a half on that tiny syringe is going to be hard. The oh, difference a, between eight and eight and a half is tiny. It's a tiny, tiny drop. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't do eight and a quarter. <laughs> an eight and a half may even be illusory too yeah. yeah so uh we'll see hopefully the nine will work but it's frustrating because every time we have to make a change then it adds two weeks until we can even you know we have to wait like a week then we'll do a test and then get him into the vet and they'll do a test and then if that test looks okay then we would do the blood work and then we would schedule him for the surgery so the whole process gets pushed back by at least two weeks every time we have to adjust his insulin and he still can't see so good yeah i mean like at all basically but he seems to be compensating pretty well i mean he's otherwise a happy little guy yeah yes no he's getting happier i think of him as a little guy he's 85 pounds he's a yeah. big guy he does act like he's about four months old though yeah he still bites everything. I mean, yeah. me. He's you. chompy. <laughs> He's chompy, like a puppy. So that's Remy Vink. Uh, she's doing, I think her hot spots are doing better, and she's Still okay. got the skin thing, and now she's taken to chasing imaginary lizards outside. Well, they're not imaginary. They're there. Sometimes. She's kind of obsessed with Sometimes them. they're there. She'll whine to go outside to check on if there's a lizard. Yep. Sometimes there is, which is all she needs. Yep. That's all yep. the reinforcement she needs. Okay. Uh, do you want to do the German word of the week or taste of the keys first? Taste of the keys because I don't know it. Okay. So um, I had read this, but also a friend of the squad sent it to me. Uh, Miami mayoral candidate Pitchell, the guy's name, Pitchell. Arrested in Florida Keys, charged with impersonating officer. Ugh. Okay, so Frank Pitchell, a controversial candidate for mayor of Miami, was arrested by Monroe County Sheriff Friday morning on a felony charge of impersonating a police officer. He turned himself in, was released on bond. Okay, 
Pitchell, 59, is accused of flashing a badge and claiming to be a Monroe deputy while he was sitting in a parked BMW in front of a house in Key Largo on May 30th. His charging and arrest confirm an allegation made by embattled Miami police chief Art Acevedo, who wrote a memo last week that Pitchell was going to be arrested. In that H-page document, Acevedo wrote that Pitchell was, quote, working as a private investigator on behalf of Miami Commissioner Joe Carroyo and other elected officials. Pitchell, who is a licensed private investigator, is challenging Miami Mayor Francis Suarez in November. Carroyo, during a city commission meeting, denied hiring Pitchell as a private investigator. Oh, this is very mysterious Mm -hmm. now. I have never, absolutely never, never have hired Mr. Pitchell to be a private investigator for me, nor has Mr. Pitchell been a private investigator for me gratis. Never. I can't be more clear, he said. (laughs) That's pretty clear. Did not happen. Uh, An arrest warrant was obtained by Herald, oh, that was obtained by the Herald, the Miami Herald, reveals more details about the evidence compiled against him. According to the warrant, an off-duty Miami-Dade police officer who was visiting a friend in Key Largo noticed Pitchell sitting in his white BMW in the residential neighborhood on May 30th. The officer and his friend confronted Pitchell, who, quote, produced a gold badge and identified himself as a Monroe County police officer. The driver stated he was, quote, waiting for relief, according to the warrant. Pitchell, deputy said, drove off after the off-duty officer and a friend went back inside. But the interaction was captured on video surveillance with audio of the man believing to be Pitchell saying, don't worry, I'm Monroe County, according to the warrant. The off-duty officer ran Pitchell's tag number and later provided it to Monroe deputies. Another neighbor who also happened to be an off-duty Miami-Dade cop. So so I'll just pause here and say Key Largo is the first key in the chain. So it's it's an hour and a half, two-hour drive from us. So there are pl- plenty of people who live in Key Largo, which is here in the Keys, but work in Miami. Yeah, you can, you know, on, without traffic, it could be 40 minutes. Yeah, right. yeah. Um, so this a neighbor in Key Largo who also was an off-duty Miami-Dade cop told deputies that he had an encounter with Pitchell that day. He identified Pitchell and said the man had walked into his backyard and asked if he knew a contractor named Freddie. The neighbor said no and Pitchell left the property. During the short contact, Pitchell was looking around as if looking for something, the warrant said. It was uncertain if Freddie was a reference to Mayor Suarez, who's believed to have been in a home on the block that day and the target of Pitchell's surveillance. Very weird. Yeah. The neighbor picked Pitchell out of a photo lineup. There's more evidence. A police license plate reader noted Pitchell's white BMW leaving Key Largo three times that summer. So that would be on Card Sound Road. That's the toll road to get from Miami to here. In his arrest warrant, Monroe detective Ian Barnett notes that he spoke with a Miami internal affairs detective, Orlando Benitez, who indicated there's a current ID investigation. I guess that's internal affairs ID into an incident on the block where photographs were taken of a city of Miami official. When asked about Pitchell, Benitez indicated he may have been involved. The deputy wrote. Man. He says, very complicated. But basically, this dude's running for mayor, and he's trying to get dirt on potentially the other, the mayoral candidate, the By police. By impersonating a, a deputy, Monroe County deputy, that is terrible. Yeah, you can't do that. I hope they crack down on that, regardless of all the other scandal stuff, right? You just, you can't, that, that le- that's how... Mm-hmm. People get kidnapped and yeah. and disappeared and assaulted and all these things. It's, it's guys acting like cops. Well, he was taken to jail, but then he got let out of jail. <sighs> Sorry. First part I like. Second part I don't <laughs> like so much. Okay. What's the German word of the week? Um, Geisterbahn. I'm going to do Geisterbahn. Ghost train. Yeah. Yeah. Ghost ride. And it's like a generic term for... A haunted ride? Germany's very standardized. So it's kind of like, it, we were talking about what this thing is before the podcast. It sounds like it's kind of like, so it's a, it's a thing that would be at a carnival. Yeah. It's kind of like the Tunnel of Love. Yes, it's but exactly haunted like house. The, Isn't Tunnel of Love not haunted house? I've never, I don't A Tunnel of Love, I think, is like all romantic. There's like cupids oh, and like I you're supposed to smooch on your boyfriend and girlfriend. Oh, I thought it was, was scary and you're supposed no. to jump in your boyfriend's arms because you're scared. I don't think, so. I, I, I confess I have never been in a Tunnel oh, of Love. Oh, I think it's, uh, I don't know. 
This could have been in like Stephen King movies or something. I think Tunnel. Well, I mean, everything is is creepy in those. Anyway, Germany only has one haunted, not one, but they have like a standard kind of haunted ride where you just get in a little buggy and then you, you know, you go around in this darkened area and ghosts jump out at you and vampires hang down at you and bats flat flop across your face. Yeah, no, the a Tunnel of Love is a re- relaxing, romantic ride encouraging the couple to cuddle. Oh. Oh, so traditionally, the earliest manifestations of a Tunnel of Love, there was the relaxing, romantic ride or the spooky horror ride encouraging the couple to cling to one another. Yeah. But I would say, I mean, having heard of tunnels of love now like they tend to be decorated with like hearts on the outside yeah, and have more of a that. romantic theme but this is the same idea you get in the little train you go through yes a tunnel but it has spooky ghosts instead of cupids yeah, and yeah. i mean you know music. disney has a fancy version right with the with haunted the mansion haunted mansion but you walk Such a there good ride. this isn't no no the park. haunted mansion i walked it's through some of the oh there's a ride you sit in it madame tussauds has one of those too Oh, but well. the Haunted Mansion, 100%, sit in a car and it trains you through there. Anyway. Like it's a small world. Geisterbahn is just the cool generic one. name for, yeah, the ghost ride. Haunted. Which, the haunted ride, which is haunted which ride. is at every German carnival, because they're all traveling carnivals. There's only like three models. Yeah. And they all have a Geisterbahn and they all have, you know, some kind of drop thing and they all have some... I think you know. American carnivals are pretty much like that. I, they all pretty much have the same carnivals, thing. Carnivals, yes. That's right. Yeah. W- w- they don't have theme parks in Germany or very few like they do here where there's yeah. six flags and, you know, th- that's a big chain. King's Dominion. And, I mean, all of these have multiple individual rides for yeah. each theme park, right? You don't have yeah, like but carnival, like the traveling carnivals, they're all pretty much the same. It's much more rides, like that, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you have a shooting gallery, you have some games of chance, Ferris wheel. skill, you have a, a rickety Ferris wheel where my yeah. dad said you could always, you can hear the rust like falling <laughs> down the, the steel like girders as it turns. Say. I'm not going on that thing. <laughs> you can hear the rust because they assembled them and disassembled yeah. them like yeah, carnivals right. here. Yeah. 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 I've more. been to those, but they, the ones that, at least the ones that came to the little town I was in did not have... A tunnel of love or a Geisterbahn kind of thing. It's true. They, they had other rides, but nothing nothing that long. Oh, think, yeah. How know. about the big ship, swing ship? Swing Sometimes. Ship. I, I think when I was a kid, that wasn't really there, but I think it's at them now. The, the big ship thing they had at Oktoberfest when we went. Oh, yeah. It was giant. That's part of the standard carnival. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the carnival stuff that was like at Oktoberfest is bigger than the normal traveling carnival stuff at american like it's small all town carnivals so much more violent than you have in america though yeah they're no, that's just true. terribly jerky looking herky. at some of that stuff at oktoberfest i was like what no like absolutely spinning not spinning within spinning and even the shift show they, they'll just like go crazy yeah yeah i don't i mean i got no r- scariness i'm not afraid of rides or roller coasters or anything but some of that stuff at oktoberfest those german carnival rides i was like you've got to be kidding me like that's just designed to like break my neck or make me throw up or both break neck yeah, <laughs> yeah. you get whiplash on those things here's a bonus word of the of the week schiffschaukelbremse i don't know I which even in german one. is a compound word but it was my brother was in the army and with same as me we had to go and the guy you have to put your occupation, right? So it's like, you know, these 19-year-olds and the guy, put, one of the guys who served with him put his occupation as a Schiffsschaukelbremse. The guy who applies the brakes to that ride with the ship. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's a job. It's an, it's an occupation, right? Brake man. Yeah, but only for that ride. <laughs> it's not a universal brake man. That's funny. Schiffsschaukelbremse. Nice one. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. But Geisterbahn is officially Geisterbahn, good one. The word, yeah. I have insisted that GR Dad do Halloween, spooky Halloween themed words. Even though there's not, Halloween hasn't been huge in Germany, although it's become apparently quite a thing in the last few years. Perhaps, what was it? Because they couldn't have Carnival in the last year with COVID, so people are like, oh, we'll do Halloween instead. Yeah. Yeah. So Nothing. Look, I think everybody needs more ha- holidays where they get to like dress up, yep. do spooky shit, eat candy, have parties. The candy's a total win. I mean, I mean that's you're, you. Right? You grow up loving it because of that. that. I mean, that is all like. Yeah, the scariness develops later. Great, but costume, can- free candy, free candy. Huh. 
the best. It's the best. <laughs> the one, best. Of, one of my friends was like, uh, you know, who I met as an adult. He's like, well, we don't really do Halloween because we're Jewish. And I was like, it has nothing, nothing to do no. with that. Like, this is a totally secular, put on a costume. But that's a misunderstanding get, of the whole thing. If you think it's candy. a Christian holiday. Yeah. I mean, I get that like it has those origins, but like, come on. You put on a costume, you go get candy. You don't have to talk about God. At all. No. In fact, it's spooky shit. probably anathema to some people. I'd be pissed like, off if someone were talking about saints and they'd come trick-or-treating. I'd be like, here's a pencil. Get out of here. <laughs> it's one, of the, one of these days I'll tell the story of my mom's Halloween and how she dealt with it. Not today, though. Okay, I'm, I'm going to put it. I have a As running. As we get closer to Halloween, maybe I'll talk to, talk to her. Talk to, I'll tell that story because it's a little bit weird. I've got a a no rules section, my little file that I keep the notes in. Nice. I have a running list of things to talk about on the next no rules podcast. Okay. So I, I just put Halloween Ingo Mom on the list. Perfect. Great. That'll be trigger enough. We, the, it, there are three things on the list so far. Halloween Ingo Mom, Galapagos Waffle, and Guac Dick Picks. Yes. So stay so tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> it's worth your while. All right, everyone. Thank you again for everybody who cheered me on in person and virtually at the Boston Marathon. It made me very happy and feel extremely loved this week. And uh, thank you for your for your service of doing the marathon and giving us all someone to track. Yeah, you're welcome. And and you know also supporting CRI. I mean, like I ran for them, but you all gave them the money. I mean, I gave them some money too. But they have a nice boathouse. Yeah, great. Okay. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Uh, get vaccinated if you haven't. Keep wearing your mask. Don't put anyone unless they ask you to. Correct. Bye. Bye.